podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Tuesday midweek, in the week where we will play Newcastle at home and the transfer window will close, Liverpool are desperately in need of a midfield player. Players are returning from injury, but that just puts us back to the point that we were at the start of the summer when we needed a midfield player. And you're already starting to see some excuses. Oh, they they ran out of time. Nonsense. The right player wasn't available. Also nonsense. I mean, what is the right player? What does that even mean? Mohamed Salah wasn't the right player before he signed, but he sure as hell was after he signed. This idea that Liverpool target one specific player and that's it and they'll wait for him is a myth. It's only ever happened with one player, Virgil van Dijk, a one-of-one central defender. Alisson wasn't the original goalkeeping target. Salah, Mane, they weren't the original targets. Wijnaldum wasn't an original target. Fabinho we got in an instant. Naby, we didn't wait for him. We bought him and we just had to wait for him to arrive. It was almost as if we'd loaned him back for a year. Andy Robertson wasn't the original left-back target. People say we waited for Kanate. No, we didn't. We bid for both David Carmo and Dujicleta Carr in the January window. So this idea that Liverpool can only take the right player is simply not true. And they've had three months to get a midfield player in the door. It's three months of sitting on their hands, of deals being stopped by a stubborn person. And it makes me think of how much we miss Ginny Wijnaldum. And I know he wasn't for everybody. And I know some people have said, oh, it was the right decision to let him go at that point because look what happened to PSG. What happened to PSG is completely irrelevant to what would have happened had he stayed at Liverpool. We allowed him to leave and gave a new contract to an inferior, more injury-prone player. If we'd replaced Ginny, then I could see an argument that it was the right thing to do, but we didn't. We didn't replace the guy who played 237 games for us across five years, who never played less than 42 games in a season, who never played less than 33 Premier League games. 
we didn't replace a guy who arrived as an attacking midfielder, played as our connecting midfielder, but was also our best backup defensive midfielder. We didn't replace a guy who, when we need them to, went and played central central defence in a Premier League game and also played as a centre forward in a Champions League semi-final. We didn't replace a guy who was always, always available. We didn't replace a guy who was absolutely vital to how our team worked for five years. Whatever iteration of Liverpool Jurgen Klopp wanted between 2016 and 2021, one player he knew that could adapt and excel was Ginny Wijnaldum. And people got too wrapped up in looking at stats. People got too wrapped up in wanting to see him score goals and ignored all of the great things that he brought to the team. That versatility, that availability, his press resistance, his ability to connect fullback and winger, and his ability to stop counterattacks his ability to sit in next to the number six, whether it was Fabinho or Henderson in the title-winning season, and share the defensive load with them and allow whoever was in that right-sided role more freedom. His ability to cover for the left-back, to protect the centre-backs, and to always support the forward players by being an out-ball when they got trapped and needed to recycle possession. He is the most underappreciated player of this era by a million miles. A tremendous footballer. An absolutely tremendous footballer. And I don't care what happened to PSG. PSG is a circus. And Ginny's not a clown, so he didn't fit in well. Messi didn't fit in well either because he's also not a clown. Like, Ginny had a poor season. Lionel Messi had the worst season of his career. That might point to the issue not being them. It might point to the issue being the circus. He's gone to Roma. He's broken his leg. He'll potentially miss the World Cup. And... That's just awful, absolutely awful. But I got thinking about this era while thinking about Ginny. And I got thinking about things that annoy me then. And, you know, like as you know, not many things annoy me. I'm generally a very happy person. Um, one of the things that really annoys me is people who talk about this as if it's our golden era. And I've heard Liverpool fans say it, and that has led to fans of other clubs say it. And it really bugs the life out of me, this nonsense. Liverpool's golden era is 1975 to 1984. That is the era in which Liverpool were at the very pinnacle of football. Seven league titles, four league cups, four European cups, a UEFA cup, 
and a European Super Cup in that 10-season span. Seven league titles, four European Cups, and a UEFA Cup on top of those four league cups. But think about that, four European Cups and a UEFA Cup in 10 years. Averaging a European trophy, a major European trophy every two years. Winning four European Cups at a time when English football was at its very strongest. At a time when <clears throat> Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp, when um, Bob Paisley and then obviously Joe Fagan at the end was going up against two-time European Cup winning Nottingham Forest, an incredible team. At a time when Klopp, Klopp, I keep saying Klopp, when Paisley was going up against Aston Villa, European Cup winners. English football dominated Europe, took home the European Cup six seasons in a row, seven out of eight. And Liverpool were the preeminent force in England at that time. Like, when you think about how difficult it must have been to win back then, it really is incredible. And like I said, we won at UEFA Cup at the time. There was a Tottenham team that also won the UEFA Cup in that era. There was an Ipswich team that won the UEFA Cup in that era. So again, these were outstanding teams. You look at it now, it's only really City. The only team we have to beat to win things is City in terms of domestic football. Back then, there were just more great teams. Yes, there wasn't this financially doped behemoth, but there was a two-time European Cup winning Nottingham Forest and a European Cup winning Aston Villa. City have never won a European Cup. That is Liverpool's golden era, 75 to 84. That 10-year span is the greatest period, not just in the history of this club, but any English club. Any English club. Seven titles, four European Cups. Like, even Ferguson and the dominance he had at United can't touch that. He only won two European Cups in 26 years. They won four in nine years, in 10 years. And actually, they won four in seven years. Four European Cups in seven years. Just think about how dominant you'd have to be while also dealing with two other European Cup winning teams in your own league and two UEFA Cup winning teams in your own league who, who now would be Champions League teams. 
to get into the UEFA Cup, you had to finish second or third. You had to win the league to get in back then, or win the UEFA, uh, win the European Cup. So the only way you were in that competition is if you were a champion. Now you can finish fourth and get in and win it. Look at Chelsea. So when you hear people say, well, this is Liverpool's golden era and it's one league title and one European Cup, just remind them, just just remind them that from 75 to 84, that's the golden period for any English club ever. Um, probably let's just go around the main Liverpool sites. Back on track, why Liverpool's nine-goal response came at a perfect time. Uh, fearing Diaz murder and why Liverpool couldn't be playing Newcastle at a better time. Um, Newcastle fans are a little bit concerned about Kieran Trippier's injury, but it looks like he should be okay. But the tune will be missing Sit Maximum, Gamerish, uh, and Callum Wilson. So they're in a bit of trouble. It uh, looks like Nat Phillips will stay at Liverpool this summer. No one's willing to pay for him. So it'll probably be a loan in January again. Uh, and we'll repeat this little dance next summer. Bellingham guarantee to return to training and loan imminent. Joel Matip and Curtis Jones are back in training. Uh, Sepp van der Berg looks like he's away to Schalke. Is that what I read? I think James Pierce reported that. Sepp van den Berg. Yes, Schalke. Looked like he was going to um, to Blackburn, but I'm not sure what happened there. But either way, off he goes to Schalke. And um, it, it could be a great thing for him because it's a huge club. Uh, they did get tonked at the weekend. They lost 6-1 to Union Berlin. Um, Malik Thaw, their young centre-back, he's leaving. He's away, I think, to AC Milan. Yeah, AC Milan. So it looks like he will partner uh, Yoshida, who used to play for Southampton, um, which is interesting. Alex Kral, the midfielder who was at West Ham last season, he's there. And to be honest, I don't have much of a notion who many, many of the rest of these players are. Uh, I know who Ralph Farman is, but uh, this is very much a team of the Bundesliga's answer to championship clubs. Schalke are newly promoted back to the Bundesliga. This could be a tough enough season uh, for Sepp, but it will be character building at the very least. Um, they have played four games. They've drawn two and lost two. Uh, defensively they don't look to have been great so they drew 0-0 with Wolfsburg lost 3-1 to Cologne drew 2-2 with Gladbach and then got taunted at the weekend so listen it'll be tough for him but it could be the making of him it really could be the making of him uh, on to Liverpool.com oh here we go Jurgen Klopp star like a new signing Curtis Jones Liverpool want to beat Real Madrid to the next Luka Modric as Brighton respond to £42 million bid. Midfield options assessed. 
Melissa Reddy said yesterday that players like Ryan Gravenberch and Enzo Fernandez were being watched. Um, said Frankie De Jong's wage demands will be too high, but that Quadio Cone and uh, Moises Casado were ones interesting to look at and maybe to keep an eye on. Um, Real Madrid apparently viewed Jude Bellingham as the ideal successor to Luka Modric. I'm not really sure if Real Madrid have seen Jude Bellingham play, but he's nothing like Luka Modric. Uh, Brighton respond to Liverpool bid. Liverpool have made a £42 million bid for Moises Casado. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know whether that's true or not. I would doubt that it is true. I would say if we were to make a bid, it would only be upon knowing that it will be accepted. Julian Ward might have 11.7 million transfer solution to right a Jurgen Klopp wrong for Liverpool. This is Nicholas Dominguez from Bologna. He is a decent player. He is a decent player. Um, would he be good enough to start for us? In the short term, yes. In the long term, no. But um, look, you would absolutely take him at this point. He'd be a fine fourth or fifth midfielder. Fifth midfielder, ideally, uh, say in two years. Pep Guardiola could put final nail in plan for Jurgen Klopp air. Stephen Gerrard is not and never was getting the Liverpool job. It's just something that idiots made up. And as we've seen at Aston Villa, he's just not a very good manager. Scott Parker just got sacked. The only victory they had this season was against Steven Gerrard. Anfieldindex.com. Uh, the good, the bad and the ugly from Liverpool versus Bournemouth. Do check that one out. And there is a new under pressure. Darth, Dan, Phil Barker and Simon Brundish having a look at the record-breaking shellacking of Bournemouth to so do check that one out as well and that will do me for today folks I'll see you all I would say probably Monday but um, Guy will most likely be here to do this tomorrow Thursday and Friday uh, should anything pop up if nothing pops up there might not be much point but yeah so you have that alright take care bye bye we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.